192 of the sleeper and the bust i am paul spore once again joined on a tuesday by mr eno saris how are you eno i'm doing good let's let's take two let's play two today let's let's play two indeed let's take two here we got about what 20 minutes in covered some news started talking about the astros and then realized that call graphs had kind of stopped the call after about three minutes so that doesn't work we we're gonna we're gonna need them to record the entire call here so Let's start back up again. Let's dive back into the news. I wanted to get your thoughts on the James Shields signing. We know it's four years, 75 mil. Jason and I spoke about it um, on Sunday, or actually on Saturday, uh, when it was kind of going down. It wasn't, I don't think it was 100% official yet, but uh, we, we gave our thoughts. But I'm definitely interested on your thoughts now that you and I talked a little bit about it last week because it was heating up, but it wasn't set in stone. Now that it's set in stone, how do you kind of value him and the, and the San Diego rotation as a whole? I, you know, I think there was a good move for them in real life baseball. I mean, James Shields is definitely declining. Um, I think you can see it in, in a couple different places. Um, not necessarily his velocity. I mean, he's been pretty, been pretty good with the velocity. Um, and, and, and in terms of pitch mix, he has improved his cutter recently. But the weird thing is, is his cutter is now better than his change. And I think that, I think that that decline and sort of the whiff rate of his change um, is just a, a sign of, of his decline. He's just not, he's not elite with that changeup anymore. Um, and uh, it's fine. He's still a good pitcher and I'd like it from a real life standpoint. It's good for him. I think, I think a lot of this, um, th- this move will be good for him as fantasy value too. And that, you know, while his skills may decline a little bit more, this will mask that a little bit. Um, so shields should like it. He has Homer. He's had homeritis over his career and he should be able to, to avoid that in, in San Diego. So uh, from, the, from a real-life standpoint, it's great. I mean, I like Robbie Erlin. I like Matt Whistler. Um, but I like him a lot better if you don't necessarily need to depend on him. Yeah, I'm a big Erlin guy myself, but but not needing something from him. And, you know, at the top end, too, all of a sudden you don't need that breakout from Andrew Kashner. You don't need Tyson Ross to repeat last year. Obviously, it'd be great if they do. They can't flop, but uh, – Kashner's never thrown more than 175 innings. So if you needed him to kind of be your frontline number one for a buck 95, that, that's that's troublesome now. Now you got a 200 inning almost guaranteed in the bank from Shields. Everyone else moves down a peg. It, it lengthens the whole staff. Now all of a sudden you got your Josh Johnson, your Corey Lubke, your Brandon Morrow. Those are pure lottery tickets. If you get one of them to do anything of note, it helps. Uh, Odrisamir Despagne becomes your fifth starter, Swiss Army knife kind of guy there um, with all his junk ball or tricks and, 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 and such. So I, I definitely like this move. It's a, it's a good move for San Diego. And, you know, I don't necessarily see them winning the division. I think it's more wild card. But this puts them right in that band to compete. It's, it's, it was a strong move by them. They've had a great offseason, obviously. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, let's stick out west here, move to the AL, though, talk about Sean Doolittle. He's got the shoulder issue. Originally kind of didn't have a timetable, but they were talking maybe a full month out of the gate. Now we're hearing that he's not expected to miss much time. It's a little bit vague. You know, it's got it's like the general consensus in quotes says he's not going to miss too much time. So we don't really know what that means. But now now we're looking at maybe a week or two. So how far down do you bump him at that point? Because coming in elite skill set right away. And if we didn't have an injury, I guarantee that I'd have him in my top five and, and he'd be a firm top 10 guy across the board. Throw an injury plus a capable replacement in the form of Tyler Clippard out there, and all of a sudden people are, people are gun shy. How about you? Uh, you know, I, I think he's uh, still in the elite uh, category, um, and, I, and I think he was uh, he was one of the cheaper elite uh, pitchers to closest to begin with. And I, I don't really think this is a good enough reason to push him out of that elite territory. Maybe make him the last uh, elite closer on the board, which just makes him more attractive to me. Really, I, I tried to, you know, look for signs of injury. If you if you zoom out on Doolittle, um, his velocity has been pretty standard, uh, pretty pretty safe. He's had some peaks, um, but usually they come late in the season. Your sort of August peak, which is normal. Um, all velocities peak in August. I did look at uh, Josh Cox's injury uh, finder, which is on Baseball Heat Maps. And I checked out Doolittle, and it does look like in, in June, his velocity dipped in June, and his late game um, inconsistency, his release point was inconsistent in June. So in late June, I wouldn't be surprised if something was bugging him. Uh, but um, whatever was happening then, it seems like he pretty much ironed it out. Um, I'd be the only thing I'd be worried about is if I guess um, you know whatever that was is this mm-hmm. and uh, he's been dealing with it since last June but I don't remember hearing anything about it last June um, his his velocities zone percentage release points all returned to normal um, and uh, he was he was pretty lights out you know uh, late in the season so I don't I don't uh, I'm not too worried about him and uh, I, I like him a lot I mean just in terms of strikeouts minus walks he's great yeah the the, the stuff is, is great I mean it's essentially one pitch really, but uh, it, it's excellent. And, you know, last year he really only got going uh, after May. Even. I mean, he, he was great for the first two months. I, I'm not, or actually had a bit of a struggle in April because of a four run outing uh, where he didn't even record an out against Houston, but the strikeouts were still there, et cetera, et cetera. Had a great ERA in May, but he hadn't really taken the closers job. Just one save in April, three extras in May. So you're talking about four saves through the first two months and he still ended up with 22. So, you know, I, I think there, even if he misses some time, there's a chance for him to easily still get up into the 25, 30 save range as the full-time guy, because I think they're going to go right back to him uh, once he's healthy, even if it's, you know, what, 10 days that maybe Clippard has it. So I'm not that worried. Uh, I'm heartened by this news. Obviously we'll continue to monitor it. And if there's any other issues, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. Uh, Next up is Todd Frazier. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, arbitration avoidance deals, and I'm less concerned about the deals and more interested in these two guys and kind of how you feel about them on the fantasy landscape. One's a little bit more high profile. It's Todd Frazier. Two years, $12 million. Let's talk about his value here because he had a 2020 season last year, almost a 30-30, 29 homers. Um, I don't think anybody – uh, outside of maybe some 
really aggressive Reds fans or, or just some big Todd Frazier fans that just want to believe it. I don't think too many are really buying into the, the 20 steals. And I'm sure you agree, but talk a bit about that. And then also, do you at least believe in the power then? Because if the power is pretty legit, then I'm, I'm more than okay with still investing in him at, at a pretty high rate. I'm not really baking too many stolen bases into my projection when I'm still valuing him as a top 10 third baseman. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't buy the steals just like everybody else. Uh, you know, I think he had a lot of running lead steals. He had a lot of, uh, oh, wait, I thought Todd Frazier was on base <laughs> kind of steal. And, uh, you know, you just look through. I mean, that was a career high for him at any level um, at, at any time. So, yeah, he had some years like 2010 and 2011 in AAA where he stole 15, 17. But A, he was three years younger. And B, that's AAA. So I I you know, even Steamer and the fans, 11 and 13, I think those are a little bit aggressive. He stole three and six. I'll give him eight stolen yeah. bases. I'll give him uh, a, maybe a, a homer less or two. But, you know, it's important to note that even though he only hit 19 homers two years ago um, in 2013 or, uh, yeah, in 2012, uh, he actually had a better isolated slugging percentage. So in terms of rate stats, he has had power like this before. And... And even the ISO uh, on top of um, 2013, he had a 173 ISO in 2013 and 2014 at 186. That's not impossible growth to me. No, I, I like oh. I said, I like the power. In take one, we talked a bit about how that that Cincinnati Reds lineup is going to be better this year. Not, maybe not a, a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination, but a guy like Hamilton, Hamilton could take a step forward. Votto healthy. If Mazzarocco can stay on the field, he only played 114 games last year. Jay Bruce was limping through tons of his 137 games. Let's get him back on track. And then you're looking at a Brandon Phillips, Marlon Bird, six, seven combo. That's not so bad at that point. If they were your four or five hitters, you're in trouble as your six, seven, it's not too bad. So I kind of like that lineup to, to be a little bit more damaging than maybe people think because they've kind of written it off out there. Uh, and so that should help his counting numbers, even as we say the power, the pure homers could back off and the steals are almost certain to. I have the exact same eight stolen base number that you do, uh, but he's still a good player. Just don't go in buying the steals and say, hey, I got 20 from third base now. No, no you don't. You, you probably got eight and take anything else as pure gravy. Yeah, I'll take. I'll actually take the fans' line, uh, most of it up and down, and just take out the stolen bases. Probably, maybe, uh, maybe gravitate a little bit towards the steamer batting average. But you know, 260 average, 24 homers, 90 ribbies, eight stolen bases. That that's something that I could I could put on the back of my cocktail napkin. Yeah, I, I can de I can definitely get get with something like that, and that that makes him a very good third baseman. It's still not a terribly deep position. He and, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't help that much because you should play him at third because it's more scarce. But he does have the first base eligibility, too. And, and that does help if you get in a, in a pinch. But you're not going to draft him as a first baseman. I think he's an excellent uh, argument also for the depth uh, at his position. I think uh, in mixed leagues, third base is the place to, to wait. And I think that it, it's starting to be something that um, I think you can say of almost any league. For, for example, in Autonew, um, there is no corner infield slot. Um, so I think third basemen uh, are, are the most overvalued position in the game. Um, and because, you know, first basemen are much more likely to take the utility slot. Exactly. So that means you only need 12 third basemen. So Autonew, that's one. 
Um, and then even in general, um, you know, mixed leagues in particular, um, you know, Frazier with his with his steamer is actually uh, three, six, nine, the twelfth best third baseman. Oh wow! Uh, but uh, that's including twenty six homers from Pedro Alvarez. You know, possible. I mean, he he's a big homer guy. Um, but um, I think that does uh, say something about the depth of the position. And, and when we were playing our mock, um, you know, I had a choice between Fraser and David Wright um, uh, really late in the game. Um, and uh, maybe I made the wrong choice. I mean, I'm willing to admit that, um, you know, David Wright's an older guy. Uh, but, um, you know, just to have that choice late in a draft uh, says to me, just wait on third base. Yeah. I mean, Adrian Bell. Unless I will take Josh Donaldson because I think he can hit 34, 35 homers in Toronto. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I like that. But I think then there's a big separation between Donaldson and even Beltry. I mean, I know we have Beltry by Steamer. He's the number one guy. But he's an older guy. At some point, the injuries are going to come in. And I don't see him hitting a ton of homers. So then we're talking about a bunch of guys who can hit 300 with 20 homers. Um, Beltry, Sandoval, and Arenado. And then below that, you've got guys who have more flaws like Longoria, Seeger, Harrison with regression, Machado, uh, Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, I, I'll shop in the Zimmerman, Manny Machado, David Wright, Todd Frazier bin this year in mixed leagues. You're selling me. I, I didn't think it was necessarily thin. Obviously, I, I'm thinner than first base, of course, but it's definitely not thin as, as a position when you're talking about the three uh, potentially thinnest, which would be second, third, and short. I think those are the ones that – you know, you can kind of compare on the same level catchers. It's kind of own thing. Uh, outfield it's, is his own thing because it, you, you pick so many of them. So then you're really looking at, at those three infield positions kind of together because first base is definitely deep. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're selling me there that you can pick up some decent options, obviously, because if you're waiting and you're not getting the Donaldson and I obviously put I put Rendon in there, but you could put him at second base. I assume that you have him at second base because you didn't mention him. And since you think yeah. there's so much depth at third base, that's why you would put Rendon there. I so I totally get that. Um, I didn't even mention, uh, you know, Aramis Ramirez, Chase Headley. Those guys are past uh, past 15. I mean, Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana. Yeah, that's exactly what Chris I was going to mention. Chris Bryant. I mean, you can be in a 15 team league. And do something like uh, <clears throat> Aramis Ramirez plus Chris Bryant. That'll cost you nothing in a in a redraft mm -hmm. fifteen team league. Put Bryant on your bench and Aramis Ramirez as your starter. That's that's pretty sexy. That probably didn't cost you much at all, and and has a lot of upside and, and a decent floor. I mean, Aramis's floor is is usually usable. Oh, I love so, Aramis. He, yeah. He's, so he's, I, I think. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that that'd be an issue. Or Headley and Bryant, um, you know that that probably couldn't cost that much. So you know, I think there's a lot of sort of strategies you can take in the uh, in the middle meet there in, at third base. I mean, even Castellanos could take a, a big step forward this year. So I was going to mention him. I, I I'm still on the Brett Laurie train. So you know, even dipping further down, you're talking about a guy who doesn't cost anything anymore. The hype is dead on him. Martin Prado is kind of just a solid guy who doesn't cost anything. And if you pair him with more of a lottery ticket guy, you know, uh, like you said, like a Chris Bryant, he's he's the popular lottery ticket this year. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to be done at third base. So you don't have to overdraft Todd Frazier and especially don't overdraft him if you think you're getting those 20 steals because you're not going to get them. Um, <laughs> and then the last bit of news before we get into the ALS team breakdown is John Jay got t two years, 11 mil. And I was blown away by the fact that two different 
authorities or, or uh, outlets, I should say, and, and I trust both of them, so I'm not trying to clown either, but they both had him as a $15 player last year. And that really surprised me given the season that he had because it was really unimpressive. Uh, he hit 303. Okay, that, that part's really good. But then three homers, six stolen bases, 50, uh, 52 runs, 46 ribbies, only 468 plate appearances. So how heavily is that 303 average weighted at that point? Because you're only talking about 413 at-bats. So that just I was blown away at 15 bucks. Hopefully nobody sees that and tries to pay that for him because, first off, you wouldn't have to. But don't don't throw out some bid in an auction and start him at like eight bucks. You should start him at one dollar. You know, he's not one of those guys. I hate when people like start Miguel Cabrera at one dollar. But a John Jay, you start him at one dollar. <laughs> don't get cute and say five because somebody will stick you. And then you probably could have had him for two. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm surprised. <clears throat> A, I'm surprised that uh, 468 players appearances of a good batting average gets you that far because, you know, 52 runs, 46 stolen. That's, that's not it's terrible. <clears throat> Jay's not really helping you there. Maybe if you add, if you're uh, one of these valuation systems that adds replacement level back in, then you're adding, you know, 200, you're adding 200 plate appearances of, of runs and RBI back in and the batting average floats everything. Maybe that works. But, uh, you know, I think he's a bench piece. And even as a bench piece, what do you, you know, what are you looking for from him? You're looking for him to face a righty that gives up a lot of stolen bases or something. I mean, you're not really going to get much anywhere. So uh, I'm really surprised that the fans give John Jay, you know, 543 uh, plate appearances next year, because, um, you know, I see some, I see a kind of a difficult floor for him in that, there are other guys that play defense better than him in, in uh, center field. And if they, you know, if they can find another corner outfielder, then, you know, I think you know, obviously Burhos is a better uh, center fielder. And I think that Hayward might be a better center fielder. And the, if anybody steps forward and has a better bat than him, uh, then he's going to be a backup player pretty quickly. Well, and, and he puts himself at risk too. MLB lead 20 hit by pitches last year really kind of drove that, that OBP for him. And he's had 14 and 15 in the two years before that. So this is a guy who gets, gets plunked, you know, a good 15 times a year. Uh, you, you don't really want to be doing that. Uh, especially if you have a tenuous hold on your job anyway. So yeah, I'm John Jay, not a guy I'm necessarily trying to invest in really at all. So, um, I would advise the same unless you're in my league. Feel free, feel free to get him at your heart's content, but uh, you will not get a fight from me, and doesn't sound like you'll get one from Eno either. No. All right, Eno, let's dive into the AL West. We're going to do it the way we did uh, last time out. Favorite hitter at cost, favorite pitcher at cost, then we'll answer some questions. I've put some questions on the sheet here, but if we answer them within uh, the favorite hitter and favorite pitcher, then so be it. I'll give you the T. Give me your favorite hitter on the Houston Astros. Uh, well, I mean, my favorite hitter to watch is probably George Springer, but um, it, actually, I think that Evan Gaddis is pretty fun to watch too, yeah. just because he's got the sort of—he doesn't wear gloves, right? And he just exactly. Kind of, it, it looks like he's holding a, a broom handle the way his massive mitts are on it. <laughs> yeah, no, he—he's a lot of fun to watch. I agree with both of those uh, as as fun to watch. Um, but tell us more but about also, Gaddis because you're definitely interested in him this year. You know, I understand, you know, the, the Gattis, I, I like him, um, but, you know, I'm not projecting skills growth. And that's, I think that's important to say, because I understand the sabermetric argument against Evan Gattis. I understand that he was an older guy and, you know, that he was beating up on younger competition in the minor leagues. I understand that he's 28, so he's probably at his power peak. 
And, you know, there's not, I'm not saying he's going to hit more in terms of rates. I'm not saying he's had a 230 ISO so far. I'm not saying he's going to have a 300 ISO. I'm saying Evan Gaddis is going to be Evan Gaddis. There's just going to be more Evan Gaddis for us to love. I mean, it's just he's going to be in the lineup more often. He's one of these, you know, catcher eligible non-catchers that we've, we've been chasing our whole lives. So I think, um, you know, I think he's going to play a lot, you know, some catcher, some left field, some first base. I think he's going to finally get to 550, 600 plate appearances, and he's going to just inch that uh, that homer total closer to 30. Uh, yeah, I, I love a guy who is going to very, catch very little and qualify there, uh, unless it's Joe Maurer, even last year. But I, I actually I shouldn't say that because that would be hindsight. I actually still did like Maurer last year because I thought he was going to put up a 320 average for 600 plate appearances. So, yeah, I'm, I'm full crap there. I, I did like him. But um, Gaddis – uh, and, and a good thing that you could do in an AL only to get a leg up with real big volume at catcher with, with two catchers it would be to get Gaddis and John Jason together because Jason's going to be the full-time DH. I don't even think they're having him bring a catcher's glove at all. At least Gaddis is going to, you know, get behind the dish every once in a while. But but Jason, it's like flat DH. Uh, maybe some first base mixed in there, but I, I don't think he's going to be catching at all. And he's going to be hitting atop the lineup. Both these guys, uh, I think Gaddis is going to be like the five, four or five hitter, depending on where they put Carter. So you can get a lot of volume from those two. And I don't even know if there's a combo that an AL only team could necessarily draft to match you there in terms of, of, of pure volume. You know, I love guys like Jan Gomes and, uh, you know, Sal Perez is probably going to play 170 games. He's going to somehow manage eight extra games this year. I don't know how, but if, if there's a way, you'll still find a way to play him 170 games. But even <laughs> still, I don't think you're going to match the volume if you get a Gaddis and Jaso combo. So I, I really like that as an idea there. And you said you've been chasing those uh, catcher eligible non-catchers your whole life. So I think those will be two guys that you'll be interested in this year for sure. Yeah. You're not, you don't have to dream anything on Gaddis. He's still going to, you know, not walk enough and strike out too much. Sure. And, you know, <clears throat> and there is, I guess, uh, you know, a floor worth mentioning um, in that uh, if he doesn't catch and if Singleton gets it together, and comes back up, um, and if they don't like his glove in the outfield. But you know what? They paid a you know pretty penny for him. I mean, they, they gave up some pretty good uh, prospects. And uh, Colby Rasmus is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, you know, they'll find they'll find room for Gaddis. I mean, they they've been putting Chris Carter in the outfield. Uh, I think Evan Gaddis can at least play like Chris Carter in the outfield. Exactly. I I, I agree with the last point about this is a big piece that they're really interested in. Uh, so I think they'll find a way to play him. I'm going to pick the other guy that you mentioned. Uh, we're, we're going a bit chalky here with two of the best guys that they've got. But I love George Springer. And I, I actually do like him at his current cost. I, I think some folks are a bit scared off by what, uh, what, what, what the market is saying right now. I think he's a top 45 pick, 14th outfielder off the board. I think this guy's got easy top 10 potential, but I, I legitimately believe that he has top five outfielder potential. Um, the power and speed combo that this guy has, I know the flaws. I, I get it. You know, he's got the big strikeout issue, which obviously cuts into the batting average, but I think we're just in an era where I can overlook that a bit more than I could have, you know, five, six years ago when, when offense was at a, at a much higher level. 
I would love a better batting average, and I don't even think it's out of the question that I, I could get a better batting average from him, but I'm really just looking at those sexy counting numbers, and for a full season, I think he could do quite a bit in the homer uh, runs, RBIs, and stolen base that I don't even really have to worry so much about the fact that his batting average isn't that good. I'll plan for that in the draft and figure that out there and just take all the greatness that he's going to give me with the counting numbers. So I, I'm a big George Springer honk. I think we could see a 30-20 season that the fans are projecting there. Uh, I don't know if that would be my end projection. Uh, I might be a little bit more conservative with with hoping that as, as an upside, but I think the sky is the limit for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, Steamer, without changing it at all, Steamer gives him a top 22 outfielder. So <clears throat> that's, that's Bacon in a 234 batting average. I agree with you that he can do better than that. The reason I think that Springer can do better than that is because, you know, Jeff Zimmerman has a, an ex-Babbitt that's based on hard hit percentage. Uh, I think George Springer hits the ball hard. Rakes. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is not the most scientific thing you've heard <laughs> there say. Uh, but what I'm just saying is uh, I don't see why you need to bake in the exact same batting average on balls of play that he had last year in his first go-around at the, at the league. Um, and so I, I'm looking at, you know, crazy Babbitts in the minor leagues. I'm not saying he's going to get that, but a 317 BABIP that the fans give him that gives him a 250 average, uh, I, I believe in that. Yep. So you give me something that looks like the fans' batting average and on-base percentage with steamers, uh, homers, and and, st- and stolen bases, 28 and 15. I'm t- we're talking 250, 28, 15. <clears throat> That's going to move him off the list a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, easily into the top 15. And, and yeah, he's going uh, right there on the edge of the top 15. So I, I just, I, I like him. I'm very interested to see where he goes tonight. Let's play some, let's play some would you rather. Okay, go ahead. Because uh, I've got, I've got Steamer in front of me. Um, I, we're both agree that uh, I'm just going to go up from Springer by Steamer. Okay. So Pierce, yeah. Holiday, yeah. Marte, Springer over Marte probably Oof. because of yes. power. Because the pop, because yeah. I think Marte still has some uh, power upside, but not nearly as high as Shield. So they're right by each other in ADP, and so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump. I would go Springer ahead of him. I'd take Springer over Hayward over Worth. Ditto, ditto. Uh, all right, here it starts to get harder. Springer over Brantley. Ooh, obviously vastly different skill sets. Yeah, I mean, because I don't, you know, bring Brantley's power down probably, but that average. I'm still gonna take Brantley, but that's very close. Yeah, I mean, Steamer has Blackman right over Brantley, so but uh, <clears throat> we might both take uh, Springer over Blackman. I mean, it's just it's tools versus polish, but yes, I take those tools. The Cespedes is actually uh, comes in above Blackman, but I think I might take Springer over Cespedes. I've got I I do have that. I I actually have those two pretty darn close here. Hang on, let me look. No, I got I I've still got Springer higher than that. You can keep going. Uh, so then, uh, Billy Hamilton. Yes. I've got him way above Hamilton. Uh, Mookie Betts. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, as high on the Mookie Betts train as, as a lot of folks. Hey, you're going to stop for the next one. Probably Carlos Gonzalez. No, I've got him over Carlos Gonzalez in, in, in the worksheet that we're, we're working on and we're going to put out this week. I, I've got him. I, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive on him. I'll, I'll just Bryce say Harper. Um, that, that's about even. I, the top 10 territory here. Yeah, I, I have Springer. I put Springer in the top 10. I'll, I'll just spoil that so that we don't keep going. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> that means that means, ladies and gentlemen, that one of Bryce Harper, Jacoby Ellsbury, Ryan Braun, 
Carlos Gomez or Adam Jones or Yasiel Puig is behind George Springer. Correct. It, it does mean Ooh, that. That's fine. We, we just teased. I think we just teased something pretty good. I mean, yeah. That, that, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll be releasing that soon. I, I'm putting in my final my final ranks. Pod Horser said he'll he'll do his tonight after the the mixed labor draft. So we're gonna have that ready to go at some point this week, and you can see exactly where I put him, and then yell at me in the comments. I, I look forward to that. Uh, let's move. Let, hey, while we're while we're doing some site news stuff here, real quick. Sure. Uh, uh, I, I I'm not probably not supposed to do this, but it's it's too much fun. We're gonna. Something soon is going to happen, and it rhymes with Pauction Nalculator. Oh, nice. So uh, so keep your ears out. Pauction Nalculator. It's, it's coming. It's coming. I promise you I promise you also that I've been working on this ever since I got to, to Fangraphs. So uh, I, that's why I couldn't hold it in, and I had to say something, because I think it's really about to happen, that, and it's taken a long, long, long time. That really, that really does excite me, though. That that is still kind of a an area for me where I I, I rely on others. You know, I, I I don't do my own auction calculator down to the down to the cent or anything like that. So if we had something, I would definitely lean on that. So I'm I'm looking forward to that as a consumer, uh, as well as somebody who works for Fangraphs. So that that'll be great. Um, but you guys will never figure out what it is because there's so many things that rhyme with auction calculator or auction calculator, <laughs> excuse me, that you'll never guess it. Uh, but we need to talk some Houston pitchers here and they actually have some decent ones and I, I think there's probably one of two although you might go off the board and, and if you do I know who it is but um, who uh, of the Houston pitchers are, are you interested in this year um, you know I I was uh, way out in front on Keiko I'm just gonna pat myself on the back here yeah, as you should I mean I uh, you that <laughs> hey, when I get one, I do it too. Corey Kluber. And I, again, I don't think I was the only one on Kluber, but I was definitely out yeah. in front there w along with anybody else, you know, singing it as high as anybody else. So when you get one like that, uh, like, like, like Keiko, heck yeah, Bragg. I, I will pat you on the back for it as well because I rostered him in two leagues on the heels of your continued to talk about him. So I'll thank you directly for that. Um, can, so continue. Uh, is that, is that going to be the guy you're going to take? Or are you going to try to find the next one? I'll probably, probably fade him a little bit this year, just because I don't think he has much uh, growth beyond the strikeouts per nine um, that he showed last year. I don't think there's a lot more strikeout growth. And I'm a little worried that he started throwing that slider a bunch and then hurt himself mm -hmm. uh, on the hand. So um, I'll probably fade him a little bit compared to what I had in the past. Although I didn't necessarily trade him away um, in all my keeper leagues, just because I found that there was still some skepticism out exactly. there. Exactly. So and I, I'll keep him for depth. You know, I don't think of him as an ace, but I'll keep I'll keep him for depth. I, I think you I think you might not fade him as much as you think once you kind of get into drafts. If his ADP holds, he's the 63rd starter off the board at pick 248. I don't think anyone's charging a tax for last year's awesome season. Okay. Yeah, and, and and for what it's worth, in terms of like changing and regression regression risk, risk I'll give Colin McHugh more risk, um, mostly based on health because he he just threw more breakers than anybody in baseball last yeah. year. I mean, he just, I mean, he basically said, you know, uh, it wasn't working out for me. My career is on the line, so here I'm going to throw 30% breaking balls, maybe like even more, almost 40% breaking balls. So I I'm a little bit worried about his health. Uh, but I mean, in terms of production, if he is in there, 
Uh, I don't see why it, it's not crazy if you if you know his pitching mix. It's not crazy to to believe in a ten percent swing strike rate. Exactly. Because, you know uh, what we know about breaking balls. I mean, and he actually no. I'm sorry. I I undersold him mega. He 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 threw fifty five percent breaking oh balls. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Which basically means we we did a we did a study me and Zimmerman where we looked at. Um, at uh, curveball usage and, and slider usage in the DL, and our buckets um, for uh, for this were thirty uh, percent for sliders. He's over that, and I think it was twenty five percent for curveballs, and he's right, right there. there. Yeah. So Oof. He's in two buckets. Oh no. <laughs> which I don't think I've ever seen anyone do before. So uh, I'm a little bit worried, and it's not like he's been the super healthiest guy his whole career. I mean. Um, you know, there have been full seasons. 2012, he didn't crack 100 innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2013, he didn't crack 120 innings uh, or 150 innings. So, you know, I, I the basically the way I would fade uh, McHugh is just uh, I wouldn't necessarily take his steamer, which is four ERA, which I think is based on the old McHugh yeah. um, too much. I, I would take something closer to the fans who are saying, you know, 350 ERA, one two whip. Um, eight or nine strikeouts per nine. I, you know, that's the kind of stuff he'll do. But I'm gonna fade that innings pitch total. I'm just gonna, I'll give him like 160 innings just because I need to bake in that injury risk. I need to, I need to like, you know, make sure that that's in there. Yeah, so. I think a lot of folks are gonna look at what he did last year, see 155 innings, and say, ooh, I could get, you know. A three ERA, I'll bump it up a quarter run, but I can get that over 190. Whereas I, I like what yeah. you're saying. Watch out for those two pitches are strong, and you can believe in the actual uh, results yeah. that he got. But but yeah, you know, like you said, with him being in two buckets, that's that's very scary. So yeah, you can draft him, but understand that you're gonna need somebody for you know you're gonna need some backups. So maybe in the maybe in the shallower leagues, you're more comfortable if you want to go out on the wire. Depend. I mean, you and I. We're happy to go out on pretty much any waiver wire and, and troll for some pitching. And and w- with that in mind, I actually want to gift you my pitcher pick just to get you to talk about Dan Straley because I thought you might actually pick him. I know you're a fan, and um, I'm interested to kind of hear you expound upon that, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I mean th- – it's important to note that this is a deep league situation. Yeah, absolutely, because Cause he's probably. I mean, well, because his velocity, his velocity fell off, and and you know, it it, it could be related to something going on, and he barely he, he barely cracked ninety last year, so that's that's worth thinking about. But you know, McHugh came to the Astros with some velocity issues. Uh, they told him to stop throwing his sinker. Um, and you know, work on the four seam and worked on his mechanics and got him back over ninety. Top way up, um, yeah. And and you know, they did. They've done some some good things velocity wise with people. So uh, I think they can get him healthy. Get him. I mean, you, you know, the, the A's drafted Straley. He had one pitch, a ninety four mile an hour fastball. So you know, I know that was you know a few years back, but I think that he can get back to that. And in the meantime, the A's taught uh, Straley a very good changeup. It gets very good results. A slider was uh, a pitch that he got taught. Um, he was he was learning uh, in college, but he brought it over. So the slider is excellent, uh, a little bit ahead of his change. And what I think is uh, really great, though, is that even when he was throwing 89 last year, even when the ball was leaving the park, even when he was having all this trouble last year, he still had 
a changeup that got 18% whiffs, a slider that got 21% whiffs, a four seam that got average whiffs, a sinker that got um, above average whiffs. So he he was still doing good things last year if you look down to the pitch level. And if you want to say that this is a small sample, I'm going to disagree because uh, he threw 400 four-seamers, four 120 changes, 200 sliders. I mean, when we're talking about whiff rates, whiff rates, you know, like let's say you're talking about strikeout rate, that takes 150 batters. So if you have 150 batters, and strikeout rate stabilizes in 150 batters. And so you can look at 150 batters and you say, I believe in the strikeout rate. Well, 150 batters is four pitches per, right? Yeah. So that's that's 600 pitches. So Six, yeah, I mean, 600 pitches. So yeah, so then he's obviously eclipsed that. Plus, not he's only that, that, last year he had his 11.5 swinging strike rate. The year before when he had 152 innings, if you really do want a bigger sample to be sold on, he had an 11.1 <laughs> swinging strike rate. So this is not new, like you said. The, the, the raw yeah. stuff is there, and he's still only 26. So I, I think they can extract something out of him. I liked the pickup when they did it. Uh, that was the the Dexter Fowler deal there that got them. Valbuena was the headliner uh, because he's you know major leaguer. He's going to be in their lineup uh, on the strong side of the third base platoon. But Straley was kind of the sneaky pickup there, and he's going to contend for a spot. And uh, I, I know you. I, mean, I, I think I think he's actually. I mean I think he's actually got it. Okay, good, good. Because Peacock's hurt. That's true with the hip. And then Peacock not not going to be ready to start the season. They they've already said it. And and they don't really their depth is not special. Asher Wojciechowski, Alex White, and then a bunch definitely of definitely don't want to do no starting. I mean he he's got a he's got a funky pitch. He's got one of these no seam sinker deals. But um, you know yeah. And Alex White, there's there's a little bit of something. He was once once somebody that I yeah. cared about, but I'm not sure that I care so much. And Asher, I mean I yeah. He could he could mean something, but you know his strikeout rate really fell off the last two years, and um, I think that some of the shine has come off him. And you know, I think the, I think they're going to go to Australia. Good, it bo- that that bodes even better then, because now now you don't have to necessarily just wait for the deep 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 leagues. Maybe some of your you know 15 team mixers with a reserve, you can start to look at them. So uh, yeah, one, one question before we leave though, because before we leave the Astros. Because this is the real hard question. Yes. Who closes? See, I think everyone's putting Gregerson in there, and I'm still looking at Qualls as the guy. And obviously that neither of those options is, like, awesome, but Qualls did some good work last year. You know, uh, excellent strikeout-to-walk ratio because he didn't walk anybody. Five walks. He allowed the same amount of walks as he did homers, for crying out loud. So he had an 8-6 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's not special at age 36, but, you know, Gregerson, how many how many thousands of times has he been the guy who everyone drafts as their, you know, middle reliever who's going to take a job? And, and he's got 19 career saves in, in six seasons. So he's 31. I don't think he's some up-and-comer flamethrower. Is there, too mu- is there that much difference between the two? I think they might just stick with the guy who they've already seen kind of do it in front of them, at least to start with. Now, maybe if Qualls messes up, then Gregerson jumps in. But if I'm betting, if I'm you know doing a draft, I'm putting Qualls in there. Yeah, I think, I think it's wide open. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Jack Moore did a piece for Fangraphs Plus a couple years back. Oh, by Fangraphs Plus, by the way. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, he did a piece where he tried to find um, anything that was correlated to, to switching closers. And this was a little bit more about in-season switches, but 
um, what he found was new closers had a high, higher strikeout rate and a higher velocity. Okay. Um, that was one of the very few things that you could say. Uh, you know, strikeout rate probably favors uh, Pat Nashek or Josh Fields. Uh, velocity favors Qualls and Fields. Um, you know, Fields had a real terrible beginning to the year uh, and then was great at the end of, near the end of the year and then had uh, oblique problems. Um, at the very end of the year. Uh, he's also um, in arbitration. Okay. So it's possible that they keep his value, uh, they keep him cheaper, you know, especially considering where they are sort of on the wind curve. They might want to, um, uh, they may want to keep him cheap for now and then install him as a closer ahead of all these, you know, decent veteran set of arms that they've put it together, you know, later in their wind cycle or whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, and maybe they just, or they would say, we want Fields to prove himself a little bit more. I mean, that, that's not too much to ask for. So I think, I think uh, to me, Qualls and Fields are, are kind of the interesting guys. Gregerson and Neshek, I think, are depth signings or, or guys that they think will be credible and useful, but not necessarily uh, the guy at the end of the bullpen. If Pat Neshek could, if, if his gains from last year against lefties are real, then he's got to get heavy consideration. But I have a hard time believing those are real because he was a he was basically a roogie uh, before this point last year. And then he, he popped a 541 OPS against lefties. That was down from 922 the year before and 1108 the year before that. So, you know, he struggled for two years there. Now, the 2012 season was stunted. He only had a uh, short, short sample. But still, never showed lefty dominance before until last year. So... That's why I didn't necessarily include him. If that's real, then maybe he gets a shot, and all of a sudden we're looking at him. But like I said, I'm a Qualls guy, and then I hear you on Fields because he looks the part and he has the stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not he gets an ample opportunity to kind of take it. But if you're going into a draft soon without any answers yet, I would say go Qualls. All right, and then the last question I do want to ask you um, is just how much of uh, the 2014 season for Altuve are you buying? And then kind of piggybacking on that, is he a first-rounder for you in a 12- or 15-teamer? I mean, he's 24 years old, so you can't, you know, even though stolen bases really fall off, they, you know, 24 is still pretty young. So I'm not, I'm not going to... I think Steamer is a little bit aggressive at putting him back at 35 stolen bases. I think he can. Uh, I think he can steal 40. Okay. <clears throat> and um, and you know even with Steamer being the way it is, um, you know he's uh, he's a borderline first rounder. Um, he's uh, let's see here three six nine twelve fifteen. He's at 18th ranked. So he's he's right there with Adrian Beltre. Uh, Hanley Ramirez, Yasiel Puig, uh, sort of second round territory. But if you if you don't uh, buy your pitchers in the first round, then you take Posey, Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, and Felix off the board, and all of a sudden he's he's a first rounder. So um, you know, I think uh, I think that's I, I feel pretty good about that actually. I'd maybe put him ahead of Beltre. I'd probably put him ahead again ahead of the pitchers just because you know I, I I that's how I roll. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, that puts him at, um, about 15, 14, 15. I think I would have a real hard time, you know, I think, uh, you know, ahead of Buster, you know, in a one catcher league, I think I could do that. Um, I'm not going to move him ahead of Abreu, Encarnacion, uh, Goldschmidt, no. Tulo. Am I going to move him against, uh, ahead of Hanley? 
Um, maybe, but you know, Hanley's is still shortstop. Still shortstop so qualified, exactly. I, that's the big. I think that's the big. Uh, the big place to to debate. Uh, uh, to debate uh, Altuve is is. You know, should he belong? Should he be any higher than sort of 14? Well, what I really like about him is, you know, because he's, he's been a polarizing guy. A lot of folks saying big regressions coming, chop the steals, chop the batting average. But the fact of it is, he's got a really high floor. Because even if he does just fall back to the last two years, uh, th- those levels, that's still a $25 player. You know, that's that's still a very useful guy. And when you're talking about the early rounds, you're looking for a high floor. At least I am. I shouldn't say that everyone is but i'm looking for a high floor because we're not that good at, as a fantasy community at picking the 15 best guys in the first round so i just want someone who you know ideally won't kill me and short of an injury i'm pretty certain that he's not going to kill me even if he quote unquote right. only hits 280 with 35 steals you, you know what you're getting there uh so i don't know that i would necessarily do it but I think the case is a lot stronger than some folks are letting on. Like I said, it's he's been a divisive guy. But those on the on the strong negative end, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the strong negativity. Yeah, and he, you know, for what it's worth, he does everything exactly right to have a high BABIP mm-hmm. um, and to have a high batting average. I mean, he he makes a ton of contact, uh, has a little bit of power, a lot of foot speed. Uh, never, I mean, not never. He he doesn't hit many infield flies, uh, below average infield flies and more balls on the ground, and then uh, a plus line drive rate for his career. And I know line drive rate isn't very sticky year to year, but when you look at a guy and he's pretty much for his career been 22%, then maybe you can say he'll probably hit somewhere around 22% line drives next year. So, um, you know, I, I think he's uh, I think he's like a, almost like a throwback player. He's not mm-hmm. um, someone we're used to saying seeing these days. But, uh, you know, it, it's not like with Pedroia where – you know, going into it, you're like, well, he's small, but he hits all those homers. That's that's kind of weird. Altuve kind of plays the way you might expect him. To, exactly. You, know? you, you, you kind of that's what I'm saying with the high four. You kind of know what you're getting. There's no tricks here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude puts the ball in play and, and runs, runs and hustles. Exactly. So he collects hits and then he steals you some bags. And then if that offense improves, doesn't have to greatly improve, but they're, they've done some incremental things. I mentioned Valbuena. We talked about Gaddis. You, you briefly mentioned uh, Rasmus, Jed Lowry. Maybe Jason Castro gets back on track. That's not a bad lineup overall. So all of a sudden, maybe he's pushing closer to 90 runs. He had 85 last year with the excellent season. Maybe even with some regression, he's still up at 85, 90. And, and all of a sudden, you're looking at a guy who, wow, pretty high floor. So, um, I'm not sure I would necessarily do it because there are some guys I like that have made it to that 15 spot when I am picking at the back end of a, a 15 team mock, but I totally get it. I, I don't think this is a guy you should write off and, and say, Oh, he's going to fall way down because even if he falls way down, I think you're protected because it won't kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if, if other guys are taking pictures, then you may be looking at Joey bats and Edwin Arcanas, you know, sure. um, or Altuve, you know, at 15, but, yeah, I'll I'll take him there. But then early second round too. So if you are on that on that wheel, you get a power bat, and then him. I actually like him more in that instance. If somebody like a, a Batista fell down to me, then going yeah. Batista Altuve, I, I like that combo a lot. Uh, let's let's jump into the Angels here, and uh, let me ask you about your favorite hitter on that club. And obviously, you cannot pick Mike Trout. <laughs> I, for, I forbid it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we talked about CJ Crone a little bit yep. as a. You know, kind of a deep league type name. Um, 
you know, we talked a little bit about Eric Ibar and how, you know, league context. Deep league, yeah, deep leagues, he's useful, and in shallow leagues, he's he's just so boring. Um, you know, Josh, I, I think the second base situation we're gonna have to talk about before this cast is over. Um, Pujols, I'm selling um, in dynasty leagues, or or you know, if I'm competitive, maybe holding on to him for, for one last year. But the minute I'm not um, competitive and and Pujols is on my my roster in a keeper league, I'm I'm gonna shop the, the heck out of him. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, but when, when it comes to sort of like redraft situations, um, you know, players that I think you know maybe a little bit better than uh, people want to give credit to is probably still Cole Calhoun. Okay. Um, I, I just think that, um, you know, I believe what he did last year. I think he's very good at getting the most out of his package. I think there's some more growth um, left in on-base percentage um, just as he gets used to the league. Um, and maybe just a tiny bit when it comes to power. So, But I just think, in general, I believe what he did, and I think he can pretty much do it again. Yeah, we had the same guy there. Uh, so I'll, I'll adjust on the fly here. I didn't write down my guys. I want to give you kind of – first pick on things you know you, you you talked about pretty much everyone else that has some real value so this isn't my pick but let, let's segue into that second base talk because I do want to talk about somebody like a Josh Rutledge I know they've just kind of gone gone for the the collection of guys because they also got Johnny Giovatello a guy who a lot of folks feel didn't get a fair shot with KC although I don't know if that's the case I, I think he did get some opportunities and didn't really do anything with them but how do you see that second base playing out because for me personally I don't buy Josh Rutledge uh, and not just because he's been awful on the road and good at home. He could still be good at home, even though it's not Coors, but I'm just not seeing anything special because even with the aid of Coors, he could never put up an above average season by, uh, you know, composite numbers when you're talking WRC plus OPS plus, whichever your favorite is. So I don't know what to expect there. And then you're looking at Giovatella. Does, does he finally do something of note and kind of rest that job from Rutledge? How do you see it? You know, I, I think uh, the Angels have done a lot of good things when it comes to acquiring pitchers. There's there's certain things that I like about what they've done. We can talk about that on the pitching end. Uh, but, you know, this second base situation just makes me just like honestly makes me wonder. I mean, it, there's I don't think there's really anything appealing about any of these guys that they that they brought in. No, it, it, there um, isn't. I mean, Grant Green, you know, he just he never really had good walk rates or strikeout rates in the minors. And all those things have, have come to bear in the, in the majors. And so we're waiting on a guy who, you know, doesn't do anything really good at the plate to, to find his power, um, which, you know, I'm a little bit worried about that happening. Although I guess the one thing you can say about all these three guys is um, none of them has more than 500 plate appearances in the major leagues. Uh, maybe Rutledge does. Uh, uh Rutgers, see. yeah, Rutgers has nine hundred forty-seven. But um, you, I mean, he, he, in that time, Rutledge, yes, with the Babbitt aid that is Coors Field, um, has barely cracked three hundred with the on-base percentage, um, and uh, has had maybe league averageish power. I guess you, you know Rutledge is the guy you're banking on, but uh, you know I, I just he's not going to be an asset in on-base percentage. I don't think. Nope. I think, you know, I doubt the power really comes from 2012. And since then, he's been below average when it comes to power. Um, Doesn't, you know, patience, strikeouts, rates. There's nothing really. And then he's he's stonehanded. I mean, he's, he's, he's not a good defender. So maybe they just want him to go out there and be worth a half win 
and uh, and not cost much. And you know, maybe you can be a deep league asset where because he's a warm body, you just throw him out there. But I I don't think he's um, a guy I want to be looking at in in sort of regular leagues. No, it, I I can't. And I th- I think there are still people out there who kind of associate that name with something useful. And I, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it comes from that 2012, like you said. I won't cop out. I will give a name since I, I, I didn't. Um, I'll, but it, it'll be a deep league guy. It's Chris Iannetta, a catcher still, particularly OBP leagues. He's still a huge asset in OBP leagues. Um, and you can get him. He's probably even in OBP league still as a catcher too, uh, but 373 OBP last year, just seven homers. However, with Hank Conger gone and Drew Buterin now the backup, I think you can expect some more plate appearances from him this year. I don't think he'll be as pushed because they're not trying out somebody like a Conger, and I don't think they have anybody else kind of on the uh, on the horizon there. I know they got a guy back, a catcher back, Carlos Perez, in that Conger deal, but I don't I don't know anything about him as being anything particularly special so not a not a special player in Ionetta, but and and kind of a league specific thing ideally obp league but even if not not a bad catcher too that there there i I just wanted to give a guy before we move on to pitchers um who is your who is your favorite pitcher on this team they have some interesting ones uh including an injured one who could be a stud if he's there and then some very very intriguing guys elsewhere Who, who do you like most uh, well, it's funny. I, I like Garrett Richards going into last year, but I liked him for the wrong reasons. I thought the changeup was going to improve, um, but I was willing to buy him because of the velocity. So yeah. uh, <clears throat> if you if you have velocity, at least you have something. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I buy him um, at least as much as the projections do and maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, we have him down for 150 innings in steamer just because – you know, there has been some talk he wouldn't be ready to start the season, but I think um, you can probably uh, push that number a little bit higher because reports have been a little bit better since. Um, I don't know. I, I I I like a lot of these guys. <clears throat> I mean, I guess I don't really love Wilson. No, that, that's uh, the one I have. Well, I want nothing to do with every other one. I, I can find a league scenario that I would be pretty interested in them for. And I think, you know, I have Weaver in my 12-team uh, um, you know, keeper league, it's a pretty deep benches, but I, I have him in that and I kept him, I like you know, coming into the season and, you know, he's, he's got that rise ball he's got really good command. He's, you know, he's supposedly bulking up this off season, but you know, I, I'm done saying that he's going to give up all the homers in the world because he's throwing 85 because he keeps throwing 85 and somehow making it happen. Yeah. So, um, shoemaker, um, you know, I think, if people are using projection systems in your league, I think Shoemaker is going to um, is going to be undervalued because you know just uh, you know based on his swinging strike rates and the stuff that he throws, the, you know the split finger that he throws a lot of, uh, the command that he's got with the fastball, um, you know just in general uh, the the arsenal he's got. I believe in. Um, you know, his 9-10 swing strike rate. I think, I don't know why it didn't work in the minors. No. Uh, maybe maybe he uh, only recently started throwing the slitter more, or I don't know what it is, what what arrangement they, they figured out with him. I, I haven't even read it. I've read up on him, and he doesn't seem to say that he changed anything big time. Uh, you know, in terms of pitch FX, he, you know, he doubled his splitter, his sinker usage, so... Um, maybe, maybe that was, uh, a big deal for him. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's a Tanner Roark situation where he switched over to the sinker and everything got better. But, um, 
any case, I, I don't see why I, you you regress him because his minor league numbers weren't great. Uh, but he threw 136 innings, and in terms of what he did in those 136 innings, they, it, was it was supported. Legit. Yeah, it, it was supported. So I, I'm there too. I'm a little torn because of the minor league, and that's why I feel like something had to have changed because. Just why would he be such a miss? And I know he played some, you know, plenty in the PCL, which is difficult. Anybody can look bad there, you know, like Noah Syndergaard, a, a hot prospect who looks like a frontliner was was knocked around there. I think Archie Bradley was too, another hot prospect. So even the the blue chippiest of of prospects can get punched around there. Um, and he had a 5.38 in 423 innings there. I, I, I like him. I'm I'm very intrigued by this guy, and he came back in the playoffs, so I'm not too worried about the injury issue that he had. My pick's going to be Andrew Heaney, though. This is a guy that I was looking forward to taking a step last year. It didn't quite come, but now he gets on a new club here. They're going to give him a good shot. Uh, I think he has a good chance to stick, even when Garrett Richards returns, if, he, if, uh, you know, if Richards like you said, the reports are getting better. Maybe he doesn't miss much time at all. But either way, I still think that Heaney can bump Hector Santiago out of there and hold that fifth starter's role. He, Heaney wasn't good in his 29-inning spell last year from a results standpoint. But I, I still saw, even within that, even with that, that short sample, there were still periods where he was obviously showing quite a bit of talent and I'm just a fan of this guy I think it will take a while I don't think he's going to be a huge mixed league asset but I think he's going to have some AL only love this year and uh, some bouts of quality that will make him a nice DFS asset as well if you want to pick him up as a cheap SP2 then Andrew Heaney is somebody that you can look at yeah I'm you know I he, he's got what amounts almost to a power curve um, you know, 80 mile an hour, um, not a big old loopy curve, but a nice power curve. That's, that's, um, you know, turned, turned in one of the best whiff rates and curves last year. I think it might've been number one or number two, actually right there with, uh, use marrow petite. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, it's only a hundred pitches, but that was supposed to be his best pitch coming up. I believe in it. Mm -hmm. Um, man, um, interesting, a lot of movement on his, uh, on a sinker. Um, so I like all that. The, uh, the, the change up, he only threw 50. So I, I'm not, um, gonna, I mean, it, we can quote his whiff rate or whatever, but I'm, I'm a little bit when, when it's down to like the fifties or so, I usually try to talk more about the shape of the pitch. And, um, he actually got, uh, above average drop on his change up and, um, and above average, uh, fade. So in terms of movement, his change up looks like it's legit. Um, it's nine mile an hour, uh, slower than his sinker. So it's right there at 10 mile an hour slower. So, you know, this is not one of those cases where I would tell a guy to drop a, a, a change and try to look in somewhere else. I think this is a legitimate good change and it's obviously didn't trust it much. He only threw it about 10%, but, um, you know, maybe the new coaching staff will say, Hey, trust that change, you know, have at it and uh, attack those hitters with all three pitches. I think he really does need that change, though. Yeah, I think so. Overall, the fantasy aspect of this rotation, I think it's, it's going to deliver more value than people think because I think there's a perception that they don't have very good pitching, and yet I like Weaver, Shoemaker, Richards, Heaney, and I even like Santiago a little bit in, in deep leagues because I still think he has some decent stuff. Uh, last question I want to ask you about this club. Though. Well, I, I even wrote about another guy on that staff, uh, Tropiano. Um, yes, just today a, you wrote about him, right? Yeah, he's he's interesting because 
Um, the scouts say that his changeup is ahead of his slider, but the slider got more whiffs last year in limited time. So, um, you know, I think Tropiano is a guy to, to watch too. I think I'd like probably Santiago the least, and I think that's where opportunity comes in for Haney to take that job. If maybe Richards isn't ready, maybe even Haney and Tropiano start the year off. Obviously, Tyler Skaggs, um, you know, the command is an issue, but if the command is good, and, and it would be an issue coming back from Tommy John, mm-hmm. so... You know, it might be a good time to to try and acquire him in dynasty leagues or whatever. But um, you know, those guys are all going to factor in at some point, and uh, they've had to use a lot of pitchers in in in, uh, in Anaheim. So I, I think we'll see a lot of these guys. The last bit on this club, do, do you think that uh, Houston Street's a bit underrated as far as closers go? He's he just always gets the job done, and I know he's riding now two years of obscene left on base rates first 99.5 in 2013 <laughs> and then 93.3 last year those are both disgusting for you know, once you get past 20 innings those numbers are are just bananas crazy so <laughs> sure let's bump those down a bit maybe into the 80s and and boost his 137 era from last year but beyond that he still gets major, major swinging strikes, so the strikeout rate you can believe in at 25%. What's not to like about this guy? I feel like he doesn't get his due. I mean, the 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 fastball keeps dropping in velocity, so you know he it's a it's he's kind of like Romo. That's not a you that's know? not a bad comparison. It's really kind of funny. I mean, he's. He's, uh, what is he, 88, 89 yeah. on a sneaker, and then, uh, you know, 83 mile on a slider. I guess his changeup is better Definitely. than Roma. Well, more useful for yeah. sure. But but uh, but but the base comparison, I think, is a, is a good place to start. But also that uh, also, that leads to, to yeah. some trepidation, though, because of what happened with Romo, of course. Well, you know, uh, that can happen to anyone. And, you know, I guess with the changeup, streets coming from a better place. But I think Romo is actually kind of interesting from another standpoint. Also, Romo has been thought of as very uh, injury-ridden his whole career too, mm-hmm. and um, he's you know he's in this like sort of forty percent slider bucket um, that I think you know you know might make for tender elbows. So uh, the only thing that makes me worry about uh, Street is that we've all decided now that after two decent seasons that he's a healthy guy. Yeah. Uh, Whereas there, you know, two out of the three seasons before those two seasons, you know, he didn't have 50 innings. So um, I don't really like I, I, I would I'd feel much better projecting him for 50 innings. And and that's kind of where he's been. So that that part of it does make sense that he, he's been light on the workloads, you know, 56 and 59 the last two years. That's not very high. A lot of closers do get up above that 60s, pushing into the 70 range, which is what he used to do. Um, and I think another part of it is that I think closer might be pretty deep this year. As I was doing the rankings for the worksheet that we're going to put out, I was realizing, wow, there's still a lot of pretty good options here at the back end that I wouldn't mind taking a shot on. Now, we know that there's going to be turnover at the position, but uh, with a guy like that, you know, I think with the, with the rankings that are in there, Street is looking at about an 18th ranking. If he's your 18th closer off the board, that's not too bad. Right, yeah. And then you can go try and either handcuff him. Uh, I, I there is no obvious uh, uh, contender to the throne other than Joe Smith. I think they're just hoping that Street is healthy. And then if if it's like a day, uh, two weeks off or or a week off or something, then I think Joe Smith can stand in. Yeah. You know, if if Street is hurt for the year, um, then maybe. 
Yeah, Bedrosian is is the velocity, the young guy with velocity. Uh, he's interesting. And then Pistano, if he if he recovers some velocity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, used to be a guy that we thought of as a closer. So uh, I think things would open up a little bit if Street, you know, has some sort of catastrophic injury. But if we're talking about, um, you know, just a week or two off, and which keeps his innings down, I think Joe Smith is the handcuff. So I think between those two, you can have a pretty decent, uh, safe bullpen situation. Nice. All right. And since we had to do a take two, we are going to have to break up the AL West after all. But let's finish with Oakland. We'll come back on Thursday with Seattle and Texas. This team obviously had a major overhaul. We all know that. But now when you're looking at the lineup, it's not quite as bad as it was, say, around New Year's when we looked at the lineup and we were kind of laughing. Nick Punto was slotted into a projected lineup uh, seriously. And obviously they've continued to make moves and now he's nowhere to be found in that lineup. Who do you like out of here? Because I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of those mid-round guys. They're going to have somebody randomly break out. But who do you like on this on this Oakland A's ball club, this new look Oakland A's ball club? Uh, I think we've talked about Brett Lowry a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I like him. I, you know, not just, just because, you know, dude's 25 years old and I think us, you know, calling him injury prone is, is a little bit premature. I mean, it's a little different even than the Votto situation at his age. Um, so, you know, we're talking about a 25 year old who's coming off the turf. I don't know if it's necessarily turf. I know that there's been obliques, but there has also been hamstring issues. And that, that sounds like something that could be turfish. Turfish. Um, I like that. <laughs> uh, and and we know that you know he, he's a guy that has shown has demonstrated over the at least over the parts of the last four seasons the ability to have above average power above average patience above average contact above average Good speed. speed. Yeah. So he hasn't necessarily shown all those things at once, but just you, you kind of go back to that old Ron Chandler adage, which is like you know once you've shown something you own Correct. it. You know it, he's shown all the packages to, to being a star. He hasn't doesn't hasn't necessarily owned it at the same time but um you know the steamer projection actually puts him into most of those things uh for next year and it's it's pretty exciting yeah it really is I, nice it's a nice projection 17 homers 65 ribbies seven steals and a 263 average i take that all day and he's a bit he's available at second base and with the way the roster is set up i mean if you're talking keeper leagues or whatever it's not that crazy that he would be uh remain keep that sort of second base eligibility because, um, you know, Zobris can slide over to short uh, if Simeon doesn't quite work out or is hurt or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then Laurie plays a little bit of, uh, uh, of, of second base. So, and, and also Joey Wendell is coming up, um, you know, which, you know, don't know where he's going to play in the long run. So there's, there's definitely some interesting names coming up through here. Um I kind of see Ben Zobrist as um, kind of declining, um, and I'm not necessarily buying him. He can be a savvy play as a shortstop in a lot of leagues, um, where he just kind of fills up your stats and isn't too terrible anywhere. But but not Uh, special anymore. He's not. I don't think he's going to be 20 homers ever ever again. Yeah, and even cracking 10 stolen bases would be. would be uh, kind of int- like kind of surprising, I guess. I would I would be a little bit surprised. I mean, he's 33. It's just about the time when uh, a lot of this stuff falls apart. So, um, and uh, and then Simeon, I think I, I like Simeon, and I think you know from what I've seen, he can play short, um, and I think he has good power. 
Um, I just think that he is going to strike out a fair amount and that he's more of an on-base percentage or deep league play. But you know, the projection for him is great, too. 240, 16 homers, nine stolen bases at shortstop. Oh, wow. Were you on him last year? Was that one of the guys that, that you liked? Uh, Am I crazy? I'm really a guy that I, that I uh, was publicizing a lot. But when I saw him in the AFL in 2013, I, did, I definitely did like okay. him. Okay. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. I, I know that he, he got some buzz. And, you know, it didn't come together, but there's still a lot to like there. And he's not old. So um, I am going to go with an old guy, though. I still I still like Coco Crisp because the the inevitable injury is, is already baked into the price. And I think he he can limp his way to a $15 season and he still has a $25 season potential locked up in there. Uh, OK, maybe not that high because that would probably require the power to return, but he does have a 20 bucks season just kind of lingering there if he can stay healthy. But I think that the floor with this guy, it's weird to say for a guy who gets hurt so often that the floor is high, but when he plays, I mean, he's, he's never really had a bad season except for the one where he only played 49 games back in 2009. But even these four years uh, with Oakland, 136, 120, 131, 126 games played for Crisp, and he's only been below $22 one time, and it was the $15 last year. So I just – I mean, as a, as a fourth outfielder, why not? I, I, I'm still interested in him. I know he's old, and I know he's got the, the lengthy injury history, but when you're talking about guys, you know, he's going around guys like Carlos Beltran, Michael Morse, Torrey Hunter, Dexter Fowler, Steven Souza – uh, I mean, Hunter. I mean, you're gonna take Tory. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll buy him over Tory Hunter for sure. All day, all day. You know, he's go, he's going around other older guys now. Um, Pompey and Souza aren't old, but they're also vastly un- unproven. Nick Markakis, Angel Pagan. Pagan aspires to be Coco Crisp, so I'm definitely taking Crisp above him. Um, it's not. I wish he hadn't had the sort of neck problem. What's that? I wish he hadn't necessarily had the neck. Problem. I know. I, I mean, I just I wish he could just stay healthy. It'd be, it'd be great because the, the seasons that he could have put up, particularly in his prime, would have just been amazing. But again, we're talking about Steamer here. Steamer likes Oakland because every guy we've talked about, they're getting a nice projection this year for Steamer. They have crisp 13 homers, 20 st- stolen bases, and a 251 average. I take that all day as currently the 63rd outfielder off the board. And, you know, uh, there has been a little bit of sort of power and patience growth as he's gotten older. Um, and, you know, even the fans of uh, 256, nine homers, 19 stolen bases, still still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad call. Very sort of unsexy. But and, and there is there is some sort of injury floor past 30, you know, 36 years old. But at 36 years old, just, you know, maybe the injury being more devastating this year. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But generally manages to play through a lot of it and and uh, and be valuable. Uh, I, I, you know, even when he's, it's obvious sometimes that he's hurting. You can see it. You can see it in the way. You know, sometimes he won't even um, he won't even play against lefties just because something hurts from that side, mm-hmm. or or you know he's not really pulling the ball, or he's not you know you know putting in the air with authority. Um, but uh, he, he still goes out there, gets on base, steals a couple things, you know, gets you some runs. So that's the thing for anyone who would call him injury prone. 
sure, he has had a lot of injuries, but he plays through a lot too. So I, I, I don't think you can question kind of this guy's, you know, toughness or whatever. We're not, we don't have to get into a discussion about grit or whatever, but uh, the dude will, will still go out there when he isn't necessarily at peak. When he comes out, it's because he really has to. He, he can push himself at 80%, but not at 60%. Um, let's talk some pitching here. They've got a pretty interesting staff. Obviously, they've revamped it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of apt to pull Sonny Gray from this. I know you've talked about him in the past anyway, so I doubt you're going to pick him. But I really want to – I'd love to get your take on one of the other four guys who's slotted in there right now uh, more than Gray because we kind of know what Gray is. He's a solid guy. He's easily their best. The other four are, are where the intrigue lies as far as I'm concerned. So who do you like best among them? Well, you know, <clears throat> if I had the choice between – uh, Sunny Gray and uh, a cheaper Sunny Gray. I think I'd take the cheaper Sunny Gray. <laughs> so, uh, I think what I think is sort of amazing about this pitching staff is that they have um, they have three Sunny Grays, and their minor league their minor league system has been all about teaching the change. Um, you know, that's what, at least what Dan Straley would have you to believe. They, they, they find uh, pitchers who don't throw enough change-ups. I mean, not a lot. We're talking about, you know, a couple bucks. But they, they have all these systems in place to teach the change-up. And you talk to any guy who comes up to the Oakland system, they, they, they roll their eyes about the change-up. And then they have Drew Pomerantz, Jesse Hahn, and Sonny Gray. And there isn't a decent change-up in the group. Maybe Jesse, Jesse Hahn has the best change-up. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no... Uh, the, the, you know, just in general, the uh, the changeups aren't why you you buy them, and and I think the reason why I'm not as worried is because all these guys have the big old hammer curves, and those um, those those are really good at um, getting rid of platoon splits, and um, and you know, and then the the sort of bonus um, you know for, for this is that they they all also have decent rise on their on their four seams. So uh, that's actually really good for same-handed guys. So just in their fastball curveball mix, they have something where they can play against lefties and righties. Um, and then, you know, my favorite of the group is Jesse Hahn because um, I think his changeup is is good, and I think he can throw it some more. And I think it's better than uh, you know. I think Sonny Gray has been searching for a changeup, and I think that Jesse Hahn has that changeup. So. Um, <clears throat> I like, I like, uh, this whole group. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, even Graveman has something to say for himself and, uh, you know, I think, uh, Jesse Chavez is going to be, I think he's more of a DFS guy when you know he's starting, um, or a deep league guy where you hope he, he, you know, sneaks ahead of Graveman Agreed. Uh, for that five spot early in the season, something like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I love what you're saying about Han because I'm very interested in this guy. Um, super bummed that I lost him in an NL Keeper League f as a $2 guy. That would have been nice, but uh, that, that's all right. Now, now he comes over to Oakland. At least, at least his park didn't really downgrade that much. He went from one great pitching park to another. Um, you, you, you mentioned the changeup. It was so devastating results-wise last year. If that's legitimate with the, with the curve that he has – well, boy, that this guy could be something special. I'm I'm really intrigued by him. Um, I'll pick Drew Pomeranz. I'm very very intrigued by him. As long as he doesn't go punching walls, uh, I believe that's what he did last year, right? When he when he when he lost a game or something, he punched a wall and then got demoted. But when he was pitching, he showed some pretty interesting stuff. And remember, this was a guy who was a top prospect. He was kind of this centerpiece return for Cleveland uh, or for the Rockies from Cleveland for Ubaldo Jimenez. And so, you know, this was a guy who was drafted early, coming out of college, was supposed to be a stud. He's a 
big lefty, uh, hasn't really gotten going yet. We're talking about now four years uh, in the majors, only 205 innings. So it's only like a full season's worth of work so far, but we've seen some decent stuff from him. And I just think that they're going to continue to cultivate him. And I, I think this could be a year we see a big step forward, maybe not a huge breakout uh, again, because he doesn't have the workload to necessarily go out and throw 80 uh, without it maybe overextending him. But 150, and he's more more in that Jeffy, Jesse Chavez mode. And I'm not comparing the two because he towers over Jesse Chavez, and part of Jesse Chavez's thing was was durability there. But going out there and having a high quality 150 inning season, I think we could see that from Pomeranz. Yeah, and you know, even Graveman, you know, I know that he didn't have great strikeout rates in the minor leagues, but he did have great walk rates. He does good command. And, you know, I, I think that just from the shape of his pitches that the changeup is decent. I believe that he can get really high ground ball rates. Um, you know, he has, he has something to say for himself, too. So I really I, – I, what I like to do is buy and sell A's pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> In that I'll buy them all now. And then, and, and then start selling uh, them once they start Joe going Jesse Chavez on the league. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, it, 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 it's more of a dynasty uh, thing I'm saying that, you know, I'd rather pump them up and then sell them. But um, uh, in terms of redraft leagues, I think you can be generally certain that these guys will pitch through the year in Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that gives them an, a nice floor based on the park they're in. And um you know, I know Jesse Hahn has injury issues, and people have, have, have denigrated his his, slide, his change in the past. But um, just from the, the shape of it in, in Brooks, um, I'll take it. I, just, I, I think it's, it's, it's a legit pitch. And, I mean, it, 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 Sorry, I was yeah. going to say, to my eyes last year, re- re-watching some of his starts, same thing. I was really impressed by it. Then I went back, saw the numbers, and it made sense. I, I was not surprised to see – that the the numbers that he put up with it once you see it in action. Yeah, I mean it's not a ten mile an hour gap, um, so it might be a little bit firmer, but it might just be that might just get him a lot of grounders instead of whiffs, and it does actually have uh, the most break, uh, like sort of downward break out of his non breaking balls. I mean his curve is a big old hand. Yes, and uh, I don't really have too much hope for his slider in the long term because. He talked about not throwing as much after Tommy John. Yeah, he should scrap it, to be honest. Like, it it, it was a show-me at best last year. What did he throw? Uh, just a handful of them, right? 29. Yeah. And, yeah, it got decent whiffs, but it's super slow. 80 miles an hour for a slider is pretty slow. And it just looks kind of like a slightly harder curveball. And that's how he says it. That's how he throws now. He says it's not even a slider. It's just when he throws his curve a little bit harder. So, um, I think uh, – that's like you know, uh, that's like a background noise thing. I think he needs to throw the change more. 88's a decent amount for, to believe in the, the shape that he threw it in. And um, you know, injury, yeah, he's a little bit more of an injury risk than other guys. I mean, he he had a lot of injuries. He's had Tommy John at least once. I, I forget if it's twice. I think it um, might be twice. I um, yeah, I can't re- I can't recall, but yeah, I- injuries are are part of his profile for sure. Last year was the most the first time he ever threw 100 innings. Mm-hmm. So, so you can't like I say bake that into his projections. I like the steamer and the fans coming in around 140 150 innings, but I'll take I'll take the fans. I mean, I I don't want to get too fanboyish, but I'd take the fans. I mean, I think I think that 
it lines up perfectly with the work he's done. I don't know why Steamer needs to discount him so much. Yeah, they've got a 433 compared to the 354 for the fans for Jesse Hahn. So that's somebody that you're tabbing uh, as somebody to go out and get, and I'm right there with you. Um, that's going to wrap up this episode, though. We will we will do the other two clubs next time out, maybe starting on another division. Let's see how light the news is. But i got to get ready for the mixed labor draft with Jason Collette. Uh, you can hit Eno and I up on Twitter. It's Eno Saris, all one word e-n-o-s-a-r-r-i-s and i am at spore on twitter please rate and review the podcast in itunes let us know how you feel about it obviously there have been some changes with me coming on board but uh, let me know how you feel one guy not so fond of me but uh that's all right uh that that was a a recent review in there so that guy i'm sorry that uh i i don't, I don't do it for you but I'm, I'm sticking around so hopefully i grow on you but uh you know <laughs> I got to get going for this draft. We'll be back in, in a couple days to talk more. How's that sound? Yeah, all right. All right, perfect. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.